So, Alex, it's been a while since we recorded this podcast together. What have you been up to? Uh, you know, I got sick and I went on vacations. Oh, yeah. <laughs> kind yeah. of prohibitive. And uh, you had stuff going on as well, right? Yeah. I've, you know, I've been going through a lot of stress, a lot of different things, and really, you know, kind of got out of my workout routine. But lately, I've been working out regularly. I'm feeling more like myself again. I, I feel like I got my mojo back. Yeah, me too. And uh, I even managed to work out on vacation uh, on an island. Yeah. So uh, I feel I feel pretty good now, recovered from my illness and ready to podcast. Welcome to Practically Fit, Real Fitness Over 40. I'm Jen Chamberlain. And I'm Alex Johnson. And today we're going to talk about stress. What is it actually? What does it do to your body? And what are some of the best ways to manage stress? I wanted to tackle this topic because I've been dealing with a lot of stress at work and it's really impacted my fitness goals and frankly, my ability to work on this podcast. (laughs) But before diving into the research, I thought it might be fun to start with a quiz. So Alex, which of the following are symptoms of stress? Forgetfulness, yawning, lack of energy or focus, Headaches, diarrhea, or constipation? Well, I'm no stranger to stress, so I'm going to say all of the above. Ah, uh, almost right. All of the above except yawning. I threw that in there because my dog yawns when she's nervous for oh, whatever reason. It's but a it trick seems question. <laughs> it seems to be just a canine response, not a human response. So anyway. gotcha. Well, I thought I, it sounded plausible, so I went with it. Yeah, that's that's the uh, gist of it. You like a good quiz. But anyway, stress has myriad symptoms, aches and pains, sleeping too much or sleeping too little, sexual problems, weight loss, and weight gain, so like both ends of the spectrum. We talk about stress a lot, but what is it actually, Alex? Well, Jen, according to the World Health Organization, stress can be defined as a state of worry or mental tension caused by a difficult situation. Stress is a natural human response that prompts us to address challenges and threats in our lives. Everyone experiences stress to some degree. The way we respond to stress, however, makes a big difference in our overall well-being. Basically, stress is a response that we as humans have created through evolution to address a perceived threat. It's the proverbial fight-or-flight response, and according to WebMD, quote, during the stress response, your heart rate increases, breathing quickens, muscles tighten, and blood pressure rises, which is great for me, given that I have high blood pressure, and I know a lot of uh, Americans do. You've gotten ready to act. It's how you protect yourself. So again, it's that fight or flight response. And the same article points out that while our bodies are equipped to handle short-term stress, we are not equipped to handle long-term stress without ill consequences. So that's that feeling you get if you are stressed out for a long time, like you feel like you're in fight or flight mode continually and it's just miserable. Yeah, uh, ill consequences sounds really foreboding. Um, I completely agree. And, you know, this matches with my own recent experience as well. So somehow in my head, I thought this recent bout of work-related stress had been going on for a few weeks. But then I look back at my journal and it had been going on for like six months. So that's definitely a long time to be in fight or flight mode, right? And also, I wanted to note, I recently learned that there's also freeze. So there's fight, flight, or freeze, where you just kind of freeze up and don't do anything because you're stressed out. So you know, all natural human responses to stress. 
But I started being curious about what exactly happens in our bodies under prolonged stress. And uh, spoiler alert, it's not pretty. Um, A 2017 article in the Journal of Experimental and Clinical Sciences outlined some of the physical impacts of stress. It's a long article, but it was free. So I'll just hit some of the highlights here. So first of all, your brain. Stress causes structural changes in different parts of the brain. Chronic stress can lead to atrophy of the brain mass and decrease its weight. If that's not scary, I don't know what is. These changes can lead to problems with memory, cognition, and learning. This is all due to the impact of cortisol on your brain. And that's that uh, fight or flight response. Interestingly, under certain conditions, stress can actually improve your memory. So for example, it's been shown that having, that having to take a written exam can improve your memory for a short period of time in studies of exam participants. But on the flip side, you might not retain that information. Alex, have you had any experiences with that? Well, I think uh, I was actually thinking about this other, the other day in a different context uh, in talking to my son about school. But Uh, How much of that information have you retained from the myriad classes that we took in elementary school, middle school, high school, and college? Oh, hardly any. Hardly any. Right. Can you remember all the Roman emperors? (laughs) No. I couldn't tell you, and I had to list them all off. So, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's incredibly accurate. Yeah. So according to this, you know, these studies, uh, the stress will sometimes make you, you know, retain that for a short period of time, but it doesn't really help your brain in the long run. In fact, it's somewhat harmful going on. It also has impacts on your immune system. According to the article, this has been studied for over 50 years and stress does in fact weaken your immune system and make you more prone to illness. Yeah. So this is one I think everybody has experienced with, right? Like how many times have you gotten stressed out in your life and then you end up, you know, fighting off a cold or something or getting an infection. So, um, so true. that's one that I think we all have experience with if we've experienced stress in our life. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, this was one of the the real problems during the pandemic, too. You, we were facing this illness and at the same time very stressed out about it. So it made it even easier to get sick. I remember that being pretty, you know, terrifying at the time. But if that's not frightening enough, severe stress can even lead to malignancy or cancer by suppressing the immune system. Oh, happy. That's happy times. <laughs> so oh, don't worry. It gets better. It gets better. <laughs> if you're if you're stressed through your whole life, if you're living in a high stress environment, it can lead to cancer. That's just what I wanted to hear, Jen. Thanks for Yeah, well, I got one more for you. One more. And then we can go on to some happier things. But uh, last but not least, it's well established that stress impacts your cardiovascular system, most importantly by raising your blood pressure. I know, Alex, that you have high blood pressure. Have you noticed a, a distinct correlation with times when you're stressed? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and my doctor had told me about that previously and said, mm-hmm. like, even, you know, he was speaking in a general term. He wasn't violating HIPAA, and I think he's retired anyway, so he won't care anymore. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, he said he had, you know, experience with um, patients who, re- you know, related to their relationships or marriages or things of that nature had mm-hmm. high blood pressure. And then as soon as they got out of that relationship or divorce that their blood pressure went down. So wow. <laughs> uh, I think that's a great example of how stress can impact your blood pressure. That is a great example. So this is all some pretty scary stuff. What do we make of all of this? Well, unfortunately, Jen, there's no cure for stress. We okay. can't cure it. But we do have a built-in reset button, and it's called the relaxation response. According to an article from the National Center for Complementary and Integrative Health, quote, the relaxation response slows the heart rate, lowers blood pressure, and decreases oxygen consumption and levels of stress hormones. 
some of the techniques for accessing this response are pretty interesting. First, there's deep breathing. And I think a lot of us are familiar with this technique. Jen, have you tried deep breathing before? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Super helpful for stress. Yeah, I know. I know I have too. So studies have shown that deep breathing, also called diaphragmatic breathing, exercises may modestly lower blood pressure and reduce levels of cortisol, which is a main stress hormone in the body. And there's different ways that you can do these exercises, you know, breathing slowly to, to you know, counting to 10 and that sort of thing. I, I like the box breathing. That's my favorite where you uh, breathe in, uh, inhale for four beats, hold it for four beats, exhale for four beats, and then hold it at the bottom. That's my favorite. It's just simple to remember, you know. Yeah, I'll have to try that one. That sounds cool. Yeah, I haven't tried that one. So there's different ways you can do this. And often people who have a lot of stress or who have anxiety, um, your doctor will refer you to these techniques. There's also biofeedback, Hmm. which is an interesting one. We were chatting about it the other day. And while the evidence is less conclusive on this one, several studies have looked at heart rate variability biofeedback. And some found it helpful for reducing self-reported stress and anxiety. And the researchers see this as a promising approach for further development. So, like, we're talking about biofeedback. Like, I had to ask you the other day, what the heck does this mean? So what is biofeedback? Yeah, it's funny. Um, This is actually a blast from the past. This was a really big uh, deal in the 70s. You know, there's a lot of interest in alternative medicine. And I remember people talking about biofeedback, but we didn't have very very um, sophisticated technology back then. So there were these things that were supposed to read your different signs. I don't think they were, I actually think they were probably just uh, quackery, the things you would buy over the counter. But the cool thing is that the modern take on this are wearables, right? That do track things like heart rate variability, oxygen saturation. And so the idea is that as you become in touch with these and notice the things that affect them, that you can start to control that response. So I think that's the modern iteration of biofeedback. But it was, yeah, it was, it was big in the 70s. So some people who remember that, which I know you don't, Alex, might be uh, turned <laughs> yeah, off by that. <laughs> I do not remember the 70s, but I can imagine what you mean by quack type devices. I'm imagining yeah. like some sort of machine with wires that you hook up. Uh, you know, I always think about those things that people would put around their, um, you know, midsection to, that would just <laughs> yeah. shake, shake their body to lose weight. Passive exercising. Yeah, that yeah, was so another fad too. Yeah. <laughs> the quack device. Right. Uh, but yeah, this is an interesting one. So I was thinking about this and it makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, i I think I've sort of experienced this personally because I wear a Garmin watch, uh, almost all the time you can kind of feel when you're getting stressed and see your heart rate going up. And so Mm -hmm. there've been times where I've noticed that and I've, you know, done something like breathing or like a meditation to lower my heart rate. So I thought that's a really interesting aspect of that uh, biofeedback and even just getting in touch with those numbers inherently. I think we've talked about this previously on the podcast and on practically.fit on the newsletter. Um, It can be really beneficial because like for me, actually seeing my, I was always worried about my heart rate because the only time I ever took it was at the doctor's office. Right. Uh, and just like my blood pressure, my heart rate goes up at the doctor's office or at the dentist even. Cause like, I don't like the sound of dental tools. Right. But what do they call that? A white coat hypertension? White right? coat. Yeah. So the same thing with your pulse, right? Like it can go up when you're, when you're at the doctor. So I always thought, Oh, I have this really high pulse. But then when I start wearing these devices, like I'm like, Oh, my, my heart rate is really good. So um, I think that's an interesting approach and yeah, yeah. I'd be curious to see where the research goes on that. Another one is progressive muscle relaxation. And so I've done this pr- um, personally through meditation 
And, you know, through the Calm app, for example, they have some meditations that help you with progressive muscle relaxation. So Mm -hmm. studies have shown that progressive muscle relaxation may produce stress alleviating effects, as well as having a positive effect on anxiety and depression in some people. And so uh, this is when you actually kind of, you know, calm yourself down, lay down or sit down and start to think about relaxing your muscles. You can even do something where you like flex a muscle and then release it to try and release the tension. So I believe all that's a part of progressive muscle relaxation. Have you tried that one, Jen? Oh yeah, absolutely. I've done it in um, coordination with meditation too, where someone guides you through, you know, becoming aware of the different parts of your body and just releasing all the tension. It's, it's really effective. Yeah, that's my favorite type of meditation. And speaking of meditation, uh, that is another technique that you can uh, use to help trigger this relaxation response. Current scientific evidence suggests that mindfulness meditation, which is a practice that cultivates your ability to maintain focus and clear attention Mm -hmm. and develop increased awareness of the present. That's really the key concept there, being in the moment not thinking about the future, not worrying, not ruminating. But evidence does show that this can help reduce symptoms of stress, including anxiety and depression, and it may help improve sleep. So you could do meditation with progressive muscle relaxation right before you sleep. That's an awesome practice. And then check your uh, biofeedback. And see yeah, check it. your biofeedback. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, one more here, yoga. Uh, and we've talked about yoga before. Uh, some, but not all studies of yoga for stress management have shown improvements in physical or psychological measures related to stress. I've always found it quite relaxing Mm -hmm. and, you know, both in the sense that you're focused on your breathing and especially if you're doing more like restorative yoga with a lot of stretching, gentle yoga, I find that quite relaxing. Uh, I wouldn't say necessarily like, you know, hot yoga with intense poses is, <laughs> is relaxing, but um, I, I definitely think there's aspects of yoga that that can induce that uh, relaxation response. Yeah, so I actually did yoga last night. I don't usually do yoga, but I did a practice last night that ended with a very long uh, sound bowl meditation, and it was very relaxing. You know, I think the reason studies might be mixed though is probably depends on what attitude you take towards yoga. I think you could go in still being like overachieving and like trying too hard to, you know, get into the poses and stuff. And maybe it wouldn't be relaxing in that case. I don't always do yoga, but when I do it, I do sound bowl meditation. What is sound bowl <laughs> meditation? It's, um, they play these bowls that have these like overlapping tones and you just like sit there and listen to it. It's very soothing. Um, it's a big thing here in San Francisco, sound bowl meditation. I could see that. That fits. I'm going again on Sunday, actually. <laughs> Very cool. I have to check that <laughs> out. Uh, well, so I think I, I think these are some great, uh, essentially, remedies to help you with stress. And, you know, of course, the thing that we haven't talked about, Jen, and you're going to touch on it, is exercise. Right. Exactly. Um, so but before we get into, like, the benefits of exercise, I wanted to talk about this interesting article I found in the Journal of Sports Medicine titled, the effects of stress on physical activity and exercise. A nice simple title there. And I'm going to quote from that. It says, psychological stress and physical activity are believed to be reciprocally related. However, most research examining the relationship between these constructs is devoted to the study of exercise and or physical exercise as an instrument to mitigate stress. Basically what it's saying is you look at exercise typically as a way to get rid of stress. But this study was looking at how stress can impact exercise in people who exercise regularly. 
So it looked at 168 studies that examined this influence of stress on people's physical activity. And then it narrowed the list down to 55 studies. And the majority indicated that psychological stress predicted less physical activity and and or less physical activity and exercise and more sedentary behavior. So basically, stress can make you tend to exercise less. And that's exactly what I've been experiencing over the past few months. And how much of that too, like in our our modern world, you know, if if you're working long hours, I mean, you're just sedentary, right? Like, right. especially now with like hybrid work and remote work and exactly. different work stances, people are just glued to their computers yeah. uh, for hours on end. So yeah, that's a really, that's an interesting finding, this, this idea that being stressed can actually lead you to uh, work out less. And I've experienced that as well. Yeah, I wanted to add one more thing to that. I think it's also partially psychological because, you know, you're, you're kind of like working, you're in hunkered down mode, and you just feel kind of like, I don't know, self-protective, like you just don't want to get out of that bubble and go do something, you know, it just, I don't know, it, I think it triggers that fight, flight, or freeze response to just want to continue being inactive, you know, and that's what I found myself uh, doing, and I'm finally getting out of it and feeling more like myself again, like I said. Well, that's an interesting study and unfortunate because we know both from research and our own personal experiences that exercise is one of the best ways to cope with stress. Absolutely. Uh, an article from the Mayo Clinic really sums this up. It, sum, it talks about how exercise in any form can alleviate stress. The way that this works is it pumps up your endorphins. So obviously exercise bumps up your, quote, feel-good neurotransmitters in your brain, which are those endorphins. This is the feeling you get when you go running, runner's high, right. or any, you know, aerobic activity. I went, I took my son for like a four mile bike ride last week and he's, he's 10 years old. And afterwards we, we came home and we were sitting on the couch and he's like, daddy, I have that feeling in my legs, that, that feeling. And I'm like, oh, what's wrong? And he's like, no, it feels good. And I'm like, oh, endorphins. <laughs> okay. so that's that's so a funny. good thing, but that means that you're you're feeling good after after the bike. Ride. I know that feeling. It feels really good. Yeah, I, I love it as well. The the thing for me now, the endorphin rush, it takes more exercise to get me there. I guess, you know, maybe it, I don't know. We could do a whole podcast on endorphins. Oh, we should. Yeah, we yeah, should. Yeah, maybe, maybe there's some sort of correlation between your fitness level and when you feel endorphins. Because for me now, I know it takes like a pretty intense bike ride. Like I did one at lunch today in the heat down here in Texas and, um, you know, I rode about 15 miles and I had a good endorphin rush after, but my heart rate was also pretty high. So I know it was yeah. a, an intense workout. Uh, exercise also reduces the negative effects of stress. So, um, it, it can really mitigate that fight or flight response, just like some of those other strategies that we talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, this has positive effects on your body, according to the Mayo Clinic, including your cardiovascular, digestive, and immune systems uh, by helping protect your body from harmful effects of stress. And we really, we talked a lot about, you know, you know, blood pressure and, you know, this immune response, but also the digestive thing for me is a big symptom of stress. And I noticed it. I went through a period of stress recently and I was getting, um, basically my, my gut was acting up a lot and it's like, you could hear it or at least I can hear it. I don't oh, know if wow. other people can hear it. I always think can 
can other people hear this? And I'm like, uh, sorry about that. And they're like, what are you talking about? So maybe I, only I can hear it, but I can tell that it's really acting upright. And then when I go on vacation, it's just like completely gone. Wow, it doesn't yeah. even matter how much coffee I drink, like mm-hmm. fine. So yeah, it's interesting that digestive response. So I just wanted to mention that today. Um, the other thing about exercise is that it's meditation in motion. Mm. So say you, you know, the Mayo Clinic highlights a fast camp, fast paced game of racquetball i think these days <laughs> these days you would change that to pickleball right like that's, that's very 1980s but okay racquetball <laughs> yeah uh or they you know probably, you they probably long, do down at the texas club in dallas da- right that yeah, 1980s down at the, gym <laughs> at the at the gym at college probably it's still probably probably popular in college um you know you swim in the pool whatever You'll find that you're you've forgotten the day's irritations and you've really concentrated on your body's movements, which I agree with fully. Like that's the great thing about getting out on a bike ride. Like do like I love doing a bike ride in the middle of the workday, even though today it was like brutally hot in Texas. Mm-hmm. Like it gets you away from work. Uh, you get out, you're with nature and you're just focused on the road or the trail or whatever. And, you know, it, it takes you away. So, um, yeah, it's really great to get away from your stressors and just focus on your body's movements. So that's what the Mayo Clinic says about exercise in relation to stress. Jen, how has exercise helped you relieve stress? Well, I really, um, I really resonate with this whole idea of meditation and motion because I've always thought of running that way. And I was telling a friend just last night that, you know, running has been like the one constant in my life. It's the thing I always go back to. And it's why running is so much better than cycling. Um, but in any case, I think it, it's that meditation and motion. It feels like moving meditation. It feels like it opens up a place where my body feels good, but my mind is also just very open and free. So that's been over the years, my number one stress reliever has been running. And I find that when I'm not able to run or do any of the kind of intense activity, it really starts to build up for me. So I think that's my number one. Yeah, that that makes total sense. And, you know, I think this goes back to our podcast a few months ago with Brandon LaForce, Uh, who, if you haven't listened to that one, he, he talked a lot about the science behind fitness and mental health. He's a licensed professional counselor. And he talked about just with his, uh, patients who have depression or anxiety, just that idea of getting out into nature, just going for a walk, something simple. Again, it ties back to that idea of meditation and motion. So, uh, absolutely love that idea. What are your number one go-tos when you're feeling extra stressed out? Yeah, I mean, these days I feel like it's, a, you know, meditation is important. And and so I will, especially if I'm feeling stressed, I probably don't do that as regularly as, as, as I should these days. I used to be better about it, but I will Same. definitely do it if I'm feeling stressed. You know, there's only so much time in the day. So, so right. it's like, I, I you know, I, I think a bike ride, like I mentioned earlier, or a run, you know, you yeah. always feel pretty amazing after a run. I've always found those to be the most helpful you know, strength training is good as well. And, True. and that can be kind of a different experience when you're stressed, but also, you know, when you've been doing lately, I think is an interesting thing to talk about, which is boxing. Like, so have you used boxing as a way to relieve stress? Because I can tell you there've been times where I have taken my frustrations out on the boxing bag and I'm not saying that I visualize certain people, <laughs> but you know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, do you think there's, do you think there's anything to that in terms of like physically 
punching a bag, like, can that help you release stress? Yeah, I absolutely do. I mean, it's interesting for me, boxing is stress relief more in that it requires total focus. So it takes me for that, you know, hour that I'm in boxing class completely out of the other things I'm thinking about. But it's interesting. I have a friend who started boxing for the first time, and she said that the first time she did it, she felt this real release of a lot of emotions she'd been holding in, and particularly anger that she had a hard time expressing in you know, some of us are sort of socialized not to express anger, and she very much was, and she felt like she was able to release those negative emotions through boxing. So yeah, I think that there's that definite connection. So not just stress, but also dealing with tough emotions too, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's, that's amazing. So yeah, I think, I think there's lots of options out there. For me, it's always been, you know, the cardio has been the best thing. So these days it's cycling and running. Uh, And again, even getting out on a hike, I think, uh, especially on the weekend or something when you're trying not to think about work, for example, can be really beneficial. So, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot there in terms of stress management when it comes to exercise. Yeah. So my key takeaways from this are one, that stress is really, really bad for your body, particularly if it's over a prolonged period of time. But the great thing is that we have these built-in mechanisms that we can use to help deal with it. And I love this idea of, um, you know, this uh, relaxation relaxation mode that we have in our brains that we can turn to through these various channels is actually the opposite of the fight or flight and can really sort of help us deal with stress. So we have both of those tools internally, and I found that really reassuring. So what are your key takeaways, Alex? Yeah, I really like this idea around, you know, some of the, the techniques that we talked about, the deep breathing, meditation, you know, progressive muscle relaxation, even mm-hmm. yoga, because I think a lot of people do just go to like, oh, I'm going to go for a run when I'm stressed, but maybe try some of these other things out and yeah. see if they work for you if you haven't tried them. I mean, I can't say enough about meditation uh, or even just like if you're in a, you're having a stressful day and you have five to 10 minutes at work, just, you know, find a quiet space and do some breathing or fire up your, uh, you know, meditation app or something. Uh, it can make a huge difference. So I think people should try that if they have it. And I will throw out another really unconventional one that we didn't even okay. talk about, which I have found super helpful when I'm having like a real, almost like anxiety level, uh, in terms like, you know, moving, not just stress, but when that anxiety is cropping up and I've done this a few times in the past few months and it's been amazing. And so when you're in that fight or flight mode and you're not, not feeling good. One of the things that I found that can get me basically right out of it, it may not be the most pleasant thing in the world, but it's a cold shower. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And so it, and they've done research on this, uh, as well. And it can, it can really mute your body's fight or flight response. So the way I do it, which I've tried it both ways, like I've tried just getting in the cold shower, Oof. which is just miserable. Yeah. What I really like to do is get under the shower, do a bit of a normal shower. So I will just stand under the water and slowly move the shower knob until it gets cold. And that I have found really takes me out of that stressful feeling or the the feeling of fight or flight. So unconventional one, if you want to try it out, let me know how it works. Probably works better in Texas than San Francisco, I'm just going to say. Yeah, probably (laughs) so. Probably so. So we learned a lot about stress in this episode uh, and ways to mitigate, which is really important since we all have to deal with stress from time to time. Uh, I know that over the summer, things slow down a little bit, but we're going to be talking to some more guests. I really enjoyed the conversation we had with the other Jen uh, on the episode before this. So looking forward to hearing stories from more of our listeners as well as other experts. 
That's right. We've got some uh, people that we're going to be lining up for the podcast, and we don't want to spoil it yet, but we're going to have some great guests here in the future. Uh, so looking forward to that. And yeah, if you know somebody who has an amazing story, please uh, feel free to refer them to us. They can shoot us an email at alex at practically.fit. But as always, please go check out practically.fit. Sign up. You can get great weekly content into your inbox. Jen had a great piece this past week on making peace with her aging body, which is really inspirational. So go check that out over at practically.fit. Please feel free to comment on the podcast. You can do that on the website as well. And again, shoot us an email if you have a question, an idea, or a story, alex at practically.fit. So until the next episode, remember, fitness is for everybody. 